Mike Harrison Price for Monday, August 28th, 2023. We're coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio, built by Arborly here at the Iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. No better place to stay in the city. Natsa Harris alongside Blake Price. Trevor Martin's hitting switches, conducting things for a vacation in Grady Sass. And this show presentation of Applewood Auto Group. We're right now at Applewood Nissan Richmond, Applewood Nissan Langley, and Applewood Nissan Surrey. And get into the 23 Centra starting at $83 weekly, the 23 Rogue starting at $99 weekly, and the 23 Murano starting at $135 weekly because, Blake Price, it is simply all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question today asking you, and this is in light of the PJ Tour season ending, in light of the CPKC Women's Open that we experienced here at Shaughnessy over the weekend. Last week of the summer, right? Last week to get all your golf in before the responsibilities hit. Which Canucks personality would you like to play golf with? You can vote for Quinn Hughes, JT Miller, Elias Patterson, or Rick Tockett. It's somebody else, by all means. Specify in the reply. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds, and Bodog line of the day for me, Canada, Latvia tomorrow and FIBA basketball can Canadians minus 16, but they've been destroying people. So I'm going to lay the points on your Bodog line of the day. How was your weekend? Uh, it was, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Really kind of a lazy weekend. I don't think I accomplished much other than lounging around. So it's good. You? Oh, I had a very busy weekend. Very, oh, very busy weekend. Yes. Well, first of all, thanks for thanks to Jeff for sitting in on Friday. Allowed me to play in the Partners in Tourism golf event up at Whistler at the Fairmont Chateau. Oh, did you never, were you shaking hands and kissing babies? I was shaking a lot of hands, meeting a lot of people. Shout out and thank you to Jill Colleen for asking me to participate this year. Like they flew us up in a helijet. It was pretty cool. And uh, played with our buddy Mike Colleen, and we had a fantastic time. So thank you to everyone there, including Harbor Air, who brought me home. And then Saturday, got up early in the morning. Jason Logan, the editor of Score Golf Magazine, was in town to cover the CPKC Women's Open. We were old Carlton classmates. We played around at Northlands. It was absolutely beautiful. And then I attended uh, the Women's Open both on Thursday at Shaughnessy in the afternoon on opening day and yesterday to watch Megan King win in a playoff. So I had a very eventful weekend. Lots was happening. Of course, watch the Lions game, Caps game over the course of the weekend. Yeah. Big, big weekend. Boy, you were around the golf course a lot over the last few days. Yeah, and we're playing again today. You better down be at near. Well, I'm going to try here, Blake. I'm going to try. I voted talk it on the poll question. Coaches tend to fascinate me more than players. Coaches tend to be good communicators. They tend to be thinkers and educators and philosophers. And I think Talkett would be fascinating over 18 holes. I, I'm really interested to see what he's going to do with this Canucks bunch this year. I think he laid some of the groundwork last year. I really enjoy the way he communicates there's an honesty there, but there's also some turns of phrase and some you know specific words that he uses that have that have really caught my ear in the brief time that we've known him as Canucks coach. 
And frankly, because JT Miller is probably way too good, and I didn't want to hold, wouldn't want to hold him up on route to his sixty-seven or sixty-eight or whatever he's going to shoot. So I voted talking. You? Uh, I'd I'd play with JT because uh, I'd want I'd want a game. You know, um, I'd. Uh... And you'd want to you you'd, you'd want to be you'd want to show as well, right? Yeah, he's probably going to put on a show. Yeah, yeah. So uh, no, I, I'd, I'd want to know what it makes him tick. Honestly, I'd, I'd like to <laughs> see if see if uh, four hours on the course with would help me understand a little bit more about what makes JT Miller tick. Mm. So yeah, I'd be I'd be psychoanalyzing him over the course of four and a half hours. <laughs> Of course, Quinn Hughes has experience with the golf simulator this summer that we talked about earlier. And, uh, well, I imagine, uh, do you think Elias would break out of his shell a little bit on the golf course? I think so. Yeah, I probably would. Mm-hmm. But I still think it would, t- it would take you nine holes to do that. So then you're down to two hours of cavorting. So, like, right. you, know, you know, get the full pull there four hours. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think you need to get J.T. Miller out of his shell. I no, no, I, I don't think he's shy. Yeah. Friday's Bodog poll question you asked uh, alongside Jeff, what number will the cap hit start with on an Elias Pettersson contract extension that he's getting? Of course, it makes no mention of the Vancouver Canucks. So. No, it's true. Yes, the way you worded it slyly there. So 10, 11, 12, 13, what won the poll? Uh, 12. No, 11. 11? Mm. 51% said 11. 27% said 12. 16% said 10, and 6% said 13. Hmm. I mean, Comments, that's not, that's not, uh, that's not unnotable. The 6% that do think he can get to 16 or 13. Pardon me. That's, that's, that's interesting. We got one comment that said, guys, it goes up on your show every week. And well, that's because the conditions around this contract extension changed and dramatically yeah. last week. Because now if Elias is playing through this year and putting another 100-point season on the board, the number's going up. Now if Elias is not willing to negotiate a contract extension between now and the beginning of the season or in season, the cap's going up. So guess what happens to his number? It's going up. Just inflation, too. With the cap, with the overall cap going up, there's just going mm-hmm. to be inflation on it. Power Stroking says another team will be paying his salary, but it will start with the twelve. Adrian says, zero, trade him and start a full rebuild. Tired of watching this middling franchise, years of ineptitude. Ron says, if it starts with a 13, he should be dealt. Of course, Austin Matthews starts with the 13 now. You miss you miss this. Uh, the the Thursday poll question dealt with uh, Patterson as well, remember. And mm-hmm. we recapped some of the feedback on that poll question. Matt, there's not an insignificant amount of people that are like that last message saying (laughs) they're done with this drama trade. I mean, we're not talking like a majority. I'm not suggesting the majority. No, 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 no. But there's a there's a vocal minority Mm -hmm. that that are willing to move on from Elias Pettersson. It's pretty Mm -hmm. startling. Well, I think they're at wit's end here. Uh, uh, I think they're also they're afraid of being heartbroken too. That too. And we'll get into it and welcome Matt here. Like, the stakes now could not be higher for this season. Bruce says, just give him whatever he wants for eight years. If he takes 13, then he can't complain about not having a deep roster. You don't lose because you pay your best players a lot. You lose when you pay a few average players too much. 
Here, here, Bruce. So this is going to be an interesting season for the Canucks and for Pedersen because think of the just usual ebbs and flows of a Canucks season, right? They lose three games in a row. Ah, this is a terrible team, never going to make the playoffs trade everywhere. They win four in a row. Oh, my God, everybody was naysaying and doubting this team. Just think of that whole conversation that happens in season and then apply the Elias Pettersson contract situation to it because that is going to be foremost amongst the questions and topics that we're considering once the games get going in October. Give me very, very interesting to see the dynamic over the course of the season and whether or not, you know, this, this line of the sand actually is able to be changed, which mm-hmm. I think that there's a possibility. Uh, we, we have seen evidence of this in sports and in this league where, no, no, we're not going to negotiate. And then boom, at some point along the way, oh, look, an extension. They were able mm. to, they were able to have a chat anyway. So we'll see. Well, and we're getting to the time of the year where hockey news starts to roll in and hockey players start to roll into our community. I saw that JT Miller, Carson Soucy, Thatcher Demko, Jack Stanika were up at Northlands playing on the weekend. I see the Oilers have made it official that two former Canucks, Brandon yeah. Sutter and Sam Gagne, have signed PTOs to attend their training camp and see if they can make the club. And good luck to both of those gentlemen. They were both pleasures to deal with here from a media standpoint in Vancouver. For sure. And uh, who knows, Blake, maybe Sean Payton can fire up the Canucks, huh? The yeah. That's coach. It's according to Canucks Intel Instagram. Last night. According to Canucks Instagram, Sean Payton was in Vancouver last night celebrating Francesco Aquilini's birthday alongside Wayne Gretzky at a family-owned steakhouse. So that's after the Broncos game on Saturday night, flies up to celebrate, and I guess is going back because the NFL cuts are coming here over the next 24 hours. Nice of Sean to make it. Boy, he must be very close with Francesco. Sean Payton dining with Wayne Gretzky. Okay, I get that. Guys at the top of their respective fields and their respective (laughs) sports, probably cross paths. Mm Mm-hmm. Francesco Aquilini is the third member of that group. Well, we know he loves celebrity, right? We know he loves to associate with celebrity. Who can forget the email he sent Tom Brady way back in the day? Remember that email came out as part of the disclosure on the Tom Brady uh, inflate gate uh, scandal. Tom, Crazy. we'd love to have you for dinner. Yeah. Anyway, so, and the funny part about Miller and Susie playing golf uh, together of course, Carson Susie in New Vancouver Canuck. They actually had a fight last year in Seattle, the two of them. Oh, there you that. go. Hockey players, bare knuckle fighting on the ice, golf buds in the off season. Which Canuck would you like to play golf with? Answer the poll question. That's Carson Price on Twitter. Speaking of uh, ex Kraken, you mentioned Susie. You see mm-hmm. uh, Eunice Donscore retired at the age of 31. From concussions, um, yeah, that's sad. pretty effective player. Like he was, he was, At one uh, point. A, yeah, nice winger. I mean, he was guaranteed to get you fifteen goals and thirty-five points, like just, like every single season, like 11, 14, 14, 16, 17. Um, he only played parts of seven seasons in the NHL, and he wants to take care of his head. So credit to him. Stupefying loss from the British Columbia Lions on Saturday. 
30 yeah. to 13 to the Hamilton Tiger Cats in a game that just lacked any kind of energy or passion or purpose from the jump. And before a pretty good crowd of 22,000 at BC Place as well. Can't say I saw this one coming. This one comes pretty much out of the blue because one thing about the Lions, they had, for the most part, taken care of business. It's no shame losing in Regina or Winnipeg. Those are pretty good teams. Those are tough road contests. Same in Toronto. But a home game against the Tiger Cats team that was starting a uncredentialed quarterback. They were three and six going into this one. They just got beat by the Elks, for God's sakes. Like, yeah, come on. And that may have been it is that they were smarting from losing to the Elks and knew that uh, they needed to get their house in order and play a better, at least put a better effort forward. Well, they no doubt did that. The Hamilton Tiger Cats. I want that to be the last loss of the season for cool. the BC Lions. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. come on. There wasn't much happening in the first half of this football game. And in the second half, you're sitting there going, okay, well, bad half for the Lions, but they got this. They're the better team. No, not so much. I mean, Hamilton pulls away here. On the strength of former Lion, and we've had him on the show, podcaster, James Butler. The Tabby's tailback with 154 yards of total offense. And to say he played this game with a chip on his shoulder, it was more like a California Redwood. He played with purpose. Hamilton played with purpose. Lions turned it over three times. Hamilton, not a once. And now, Blake, some real adversity for the Leos. They've lost two in a row for the first time this year. And you're now closer to Saskatchewan in third place than you are to Winnipeg. In first place, going to be tough to catch the Bombers now. You're seven and four. You're two games back. They hold the tiebreaker. You host Winnipeg on October 6th. You absolutely have to win that one, but then you need to make up a game somewhere else on the schedule. In all seriousness, six and one. They need to go six and one to win the West. I really think so. Yeah, that's effectively it. You really don't have much margin for error here if you still think you're catching Winnipeg. And, of course, you have to win the remaining head-to-head. Yeah. But they're Five and two with the game and with the head-to-head, maybe. Maybe because Winnipeg at that point would have to lose three. Yeah. And it's difficult seeing the Bombers losing three Yeah, from here. Now, the other thing is Saskatchewan's a game and a half back and only one in the loss column. They've got Mm -hmm. a game in hand here. BC's going to go on a bye after this week. The Leos are in Montreal on Saturday. How about this? No Friday night football, huh? Hmm. BC on Montreal Saturday, then the classic good strategy. That's good strategy by the CFL, though. It's a a long weekend, people Mm -hmm. traveling on Friday. Maybe that's a good call. All right. So Saskatchewan, a game and a half back. And, of course, Saskatchewan comes here on September 29th. So that becomes a big one, too. In fact, those two games, Saskatchewan and Winnipeg, back-to-back here at home, likely to define the line season. 
Winnipeg is in Saskatchewan Sunday, of course, for the Labor Day Prairie Classic. So we'll see how that shakes out. The other thing about this game to Montreal, it's not like BC's on a short week because they're playing Saturday to Saturday. But Montreal didn't. Montreal kicked off last week on a Thursday. So they're going to have even more time to prepare for this football game. Anyways, you hope that that's just the one-off and you can move forward. I know I was texting and messaging a little bit with Ryan Phillips and Mike Benavides yesterday, and they just got to move forward. And you know it's going to be a good week of practice after an effort like that because they've got some coaches who will get after them. And Speaking of coaches, uh, sad news yesterday for the Lions and for the CFL community at large on the passing of longtime defensive coach Rich Stubler. I believe it was four different stints Stubler had with the BC Lions, served as a defensive line coach and as a defensive coordinator, including during their 2000 Gray Cup year, came back as a defensive coordinator later in his career. Three separate stints with the uh, with the BC Lions. He was a long time def- coaches I covered uh, back in two thousand. That was one mm-hmm. of the uh, yeah. Frankly, as much as he helped the Lions win in two thousand, he took one away from them as Toronto's defensive coordinator in two thousand four. That match defense that he used to play, and of course, the Printers or Dickinson <laughs> decision that Wally mm-hmm. made going into that Grey Cup game. He was uh, used to always stop by our booth, Blake. As you remember, we used to broadcast up from Wally in their practice facility. He was quick with a line. He was quick with a rib. He was quite a character. And really a, a defensive philosopher that affected CFL defenses with the style of defense that he played. They were going to let you run the football. They were going to say, are you patient enough to keep running the football on us? Or are you going to start getting greedy? And just when you start getting greedy, typically, is when the Stubler defense would cause a turnover on you. Anyways, a fantastic thinker of the game and a terrific wit. So our condolences to all the friends and family of Rich Stubler. He was a one of a kind and a good man. Uh, Whitecaps we'll get to a little later on in the show, but a terrific result for them in Portland against a Cascadia rival. and play. Much needed. Oh, to say the least. When we signed off Thursday, was looking forward to Canada's opener against France, thinking it would be a tough one at the FIBA World Cup. They obliterate the French. Then yesterday morning, make quick work of Lebanon. And got to use the whole bench to make sure they didn't fatigue oh, anybody. So Everybody got to play. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they got 50 and 30 point wins here. And set a FIBA World Cup record with 44 assists in that Lebanon match. Yeah, I saw that. And and that's kind of big because, you know, you do wonder about personal agendas and how much guys playing internationally are doing so for the eyes of professional coaches and scouts and GMs around the world. But it's all coming together right now for the Maple Leaf in Jakarta, Indonesia at the FIBA World Cup. They got Latvia tomorrow. We'll talk to Jay Triana later in the show. Windmill dunk by R.J. Barrett yesterday. I, I wonder if R.J. Barrett, now he's not the go-to guy here. It's it's Shagel to tell you. I wonder if this helps him be a better NBA player, ultimately. I wonder if this reminds him of some success and, you know, he's being used differently here. Not the guy, but um, I wonder if, if he gets a little bit of a, 
a jolt to his career. Yeah, that'd be nice for him. On the links, Victor Hovland wins the Tour Championship. What an incredible close from Victor Hovland over the last couple of weeks. I know there are some that will grumble, and I saw our good friend Bob Weeks yesterday, Blake, uh, out at Shaughnessy, and we, we were chit-chatting a little bit about if you don't translate FedEx Cup points to score, it's just so hard for the general public to follow who's going to win. And, of course, they want the winner of this tournament being the winner of the FedEx Cup, right? In years past, we have seen some splits, including when Tiger won the tournament, but, of course, did mm-hmm. not win the FedEx Cup. Because otherwise, it would have been a playoff between Xander Shoffley and Hovland yesterday, which would have been great drama if we were all starting from scratch. Anyways, uh, I, it's it's now big four-time. Blake, like we talked about it last week. Do you now have to put Hovland in the McElroy Scheffler Rom category? I realize yes. he's without a major, but he's that quality of player. A major is going to happen for this kid. It's just a matter of when. The most money Not ever if. earned on tour in a season. $32 yeah. million dollars this season for Victor Hovland. Yeah, I think we got to put him in the big group. Yeah, and did you hear him in the post game? Yeah, I still live in Stillwater, Oklahoma, where I went to school. You know, money goes a long way there. I'm not really blowing it out or anything like that. I could buy the city. I was going to say, you could buy the state of Oklahoma. Uh, Maybe not. A little too much oil there. And then what a marvelous weekend out at Shaughnessy in the CPKC Women's Open where Megan Kang birdies the 18th in an incredible approach shot to four feet on what was a very difficult 18th. Spent a lot of time there Thursday and yesterday, Blake, and there was just... Not a lot of birdies there on a very tough hole. Her first win in 191 LPGA Tour starts. She beats Jin Young Ko in a playoff, and poor Jin Young Ko hits her driver into the shrubs down the left side on 18 on the playoff hole, effectively. Took herself out right there and then. It's a tie for 13th for Canada's Brooke Henderson. Brooke's brigade was out in full force over the weekend at Shaughnessy. Saw Jeff taking some photos of it on Saturday. I picked her up on 12 yesterday, Blake, and uh, sadly, I was the cooler for Brooke Henderson. Every time I went out on course this week to go check her out, is what she started making bogeys. Yeah, you're not allowed to watch her. I, I'm going to no. stay very far away from her the next time. Watch her on screens as opposed to live because we got there Thursday. We picked her up on eight. It's a par three. She was 10 yards short of the green. So I don't know if she hit something fat or if she misclubbed by a couple. Then yesterday, she's on this great tear, makes eagle birdie, and you're thinking, whoa, maybe there's a late push here. She's inside the top 10. I picked her up on 12. She barely got a ball out of the bunker, sitting down in the thick rough, screwed that shot up too. It winds up being a tie for 13th. Yeah. Not often do you see four rounds like that. I mean, honestly, you know, golfers often have one, one good round amidst three bad ones or one bad one amidst three good ones. But not often do you go 75, 68, 75, 68. Like that is every other day you're either got it or you don't like at this <laughs> level for a major champion like that. That's, <laughs> that's very rare. And yet is it explainable Blake by the fact 
she was wearing glasses in competition for the first time. And here's the crazy part. She wears contacts on a day-to-day basis. She does not wear contacts on the golf course. So you wonder whether it was as simple as she got to wit's end in terms of her vision out there and had to put the glasses on to see more clearly. It kind of puts her whole career into perspective. She was that good without necessarily having perfect vision because she wasn't wearing contacts does on the golf like course. Somebody else, you know, does it sound like somebody else, you know, indeed it does. Yeah. What, what did I start I, doing this year? What did I, I start have, doing this year? You started to wear glasses and now suddenly I don't have to track all your errant shots anymore. All my errant shots. Okay. Hmm. Blake would hit one wide a few years ago, and you'd have to tell him where it is. Now you can see I'm, clearly when you hit it wide. I, I Off the tee, I can't see where it is. Once we're in the forest, though, nobody <laughs> finds right. balls. I'm a bloodhound in the forest. <laughs> Anyways, uh, well done by Golf Canada and everybody out at Shaughnessy. It was a marvelous event. It was well attended. I know people had some concerns about getting to and from the course, but... All the reports I heard on the shuttle from UBC were fantastic. So a lot of people were parked on Marine Drive, Southwest Marine Drive yesterday and walking to the golf course. I took car, uh, I took Uber a couple of times, Blake, and that worked marvelously. Yeah, good. One thing I'll say is that Shaughnessy is not exactly a hotspot for cell phone service. There were a few problems there with cell phone service. One of the members told me this this property isn't very good for cell phone service to begin with. And then of course, bring tens of thousands of people onto the property, all using their cell phones. I think we might've overloaded some of the towers nearby. I tried to zoom in that parking lot once it did not work. Yeah. And I'll um, look, talk to a couple of members there yesterday who said they would be interested in having a, a Canadian open, be it men's or women's about every five years. Cause the members lose access to the golf course for a minimum of 10 days, sometimes two weeks when an event like this comes to town and takes over your golf course. And that's going to be, um, it's going to be an interesting calculation going forward for golf Canada, because of course we're done with Glen Abbey. Who knows what happens to Shaughnessy, right? There's a mm-hmm. matter there in the future for the Musqueam to decide on Shaughnessy. And of course, who knows what's going to happen with RBC and the title sponsorship on the men's event going forward, especially with the Canadian Open now having a new date and a crappy date yet again. So it was great to go out and see live golf. And um, it was terrific stuff from the ladies on the LPGA Tour, except for perhaps Canadian, honorary Canadian Lydia Co. Lydia Ko, a three-time winner of this event, who talked last week about maybe if I win it a fourth time, they'll give me honorary Canadian status. Blake, dead last, 13 over, shot an 82 on the weekend. Poor Lydia. Crazy. Baseball side of things. Well, Blake, we go away for a few days, and all the Mariners do is they keep winning. Mm Mm-hmm. Jays lose to a very marginal team. I mean, they're going in different directions right now, 
multiple games back now in the wild card, and the Mariners look like they're going to run away with those spots. Well, and the Blue Jays lose Bichette and Chapman during yesterday's game. The Mariners, meanwhile, I mean, if they lose anybody from their lineup, so be it. They just keep winning. They are now in first place in the AL West. They lead Texas and Houston by a game. Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times. On June 30th, the Mariners lost 15-4 to to the Rays on a packed Friday night at T-Mobile. They were booed loudly and deservedly. Seattle fell to 38-42 and and 10 games back of Texas in the division. Four games below 500. Holy Since then, they have gone 39-16 and and share the AL, the lead in the AL West unreal. That was Friday. They're now 41-16 and and lead the American League West. What an wow. incredible turnaround and a summer you're having down the I-5 in the Emerald City with the Mariners. And we have yet another September looming here where the Mariners are going to be a story. Not everyone's just going to simply move over the Seahawks and leave the M's in the rear view mirror. You're going to have the Mariners competing for some of that space, some of that time in sports media and around town. Because I would have to think you're going to the playoffs at this point, or at the very least, are going to be in it right there in the final week of the Major League Baseball season. Just as remarkable, though, is the Rangers losing 10 of 11. You know, that's a that's a team that's effectively 30 games above 500 at one point, and now are, are in danger of missing the playoffs. Like, that... that that's cr- the the, wow. the AL West is bonkers, and especially after loading up at the trade deadline, and they've been loading up here for a couple of years now in Texas with big free agent signings, trying to get over. Vancouver Canadians did not have a great series against Spokane, but the good news is they're right back at home all week. It's a season long twelve game home stand. Get going again tomorrow, Tuesday against Hillsborough. Final final nooner of the year is Friday. And then there's a road series next week at Tri-City before we're back here for the Northwest League final. The Canadians chose to play games three, four, and five if necessary, four and five if necessary, at home at Nat Bailey Stadium. We'll be telling you more about the playoffs as they come up. But final chance to see the Seas in the regular season here this week. Night games other than Friday, the Nooner, and Sunday, of course, A&W Family Fun Sunday, also a 1 o'clock first pitch. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by De Dutch. De breakfast, de brunch, de lunch. Get it all at De Dutch. Jay Triano is, of course, a Canada basketball legend. Vancouver sports talk legend as well, lest we forget. Now an assistant coach with the NBA Sacramento Kings. He's actually back here in town this week, seeing some family and enjoying uh, some of his old friends from SFU, former national team head coach, the all-time leading scorer for Canada in basketball. He joins to talk about this terrific team we've got, its chances at the FIBA World Cup, and just how meaningful it is for him and guys who help build the basketball community in this country to see a team taking off with, like this. And I suspect a country that's going to get pretty excited about this group, like once we get into the metal round or to the knockout stage 
and start playing in higher stakes games. Yeah, I wish the times were a little bit more conducive for for mass watching. Um, and hopefully, you know, if they get that noon start again, it will be great. Um, but uh, that's the only downside of this event right now is to where it's being located and and uh, the ability for all of Canada to get behind it. I'd be curious to see what a you know metal game for this team looks like in terms of a TV rating. It could be well, big. yeah. I mean, right now they look every bit the second best team or the best yeah. team in the tournament. Yeah. This is not exactly an American dream team either. So dare to dream here, a gold medal, all North America final Canada versus the U S with a real opportunity here to pull the upset and create a moment in Canadian sporting history. It's all right there ahead of this side. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, including most memorable moment of the golf season, authored by Canadians on Canadian soil. The greatest day in athletics ever for Canada at the World Athletics Championships. And, uh, of course, um, we'll talk a little bit about the CFL and uh, a Vancouver footballer. Perhaps the time is right for him to come home. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all Angry Otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog Neighborhood or Workshop Spirit. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. So here it is, the... Stakes were already going to be high with the Vancouver Canucks this season. Perennial losers who fall short of their stated goal of making the playoffs. This year comes with the added challenge of keeping Elias Patterson services. Elliot Friedman telling our old friends Halford and Bruff that he believes, quote, almost all of Patterson's decision to re-sign with the Canucks will be based on team performance this year. And Patterson foreshadowed this two years ago, the last time he was negotiating contract extension, saying he, he wanted to play for a team that is perennially in the postseason, has a chance to compete for the Cup. Canucks have missed the playoffs twice since then and have an approximated Cup contention. Last season was embarrassing from tip to tail. Allegations against the owner by his own children, a human rights complaint against management, the botch firing of Bruce Boudreau, the mishandling of Tanner Pearson's injury. Anything close to the clown show of last year effectively chases Petey out of town now. We've been waiting, wondering when the dam would break with, with these Canucks. How much losing could the fan base take before we start seeing attendance declines? Well, 
turns out it may be the star centerman whose patience runs out first. The fact is, the Canucks have just not been a well-run organization for the past decade, and eventually that comes home to roost. Suddenly, that home opener against Edmonton on October 11th and the five-game road trip that follows become even more urgent than it already was. The Canucks have had two straight dreadful Octobers, burying themselves in the Western Conference playoff race before it even really begins. A third straight, and the talk around this team will focus on a Pedersen trade. And nobody wants that. That's Welcome Matt for today. We invite your feedback, feedback channels as follows on email, live at secureitsandprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. It's a great clips text message inbox on Twitter, at Matt Sikaris, and the Welcome Matt, a presentation of great clips, the official hair salon of the NHL. Check in online today and get a haircut on your schedule. Sikaris Price from Wall Center, presentation Applewood Auto Group and hashtags the best and worst of Twitter or twitter.com is brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason dot mortgage. And here's the thing. When you contact Jason Hominick, you actually speak to Jason himself. There's no middleman or staffer taking care of your email responding to you. It's Jason himself with the best advice on mortgages. Get that personal touch from an expert that works for you and not the bank. Find him at Jason dot mortgage at pet bugs. 13 former Canucks army contributor. Uh, goes under the pseudonym nobody. Uh, it's a good follow. Look before the meteor mm-hmm. hits. I just want to see a televised head-to-head golf match between Trump and Kim Jong Un. This after uh, at real Donald Trump on uh, I believe this is on Truth Social. <clears throat> he, mm. I, I guess you don't tweet on Truth. I guess you just Truth on Truth. Yeah, you post. Um, (laughs) Trump says, I'm pleased to report for those that care that I just won the senior club championship. Must be over 50 years old at Bedminster, shooting a round of 67. Now, some people will think that sounds low, but there is no hanky lanky, whatever that means. Many people watch. Plus, I'm surrounded by secret service agents. Not much you can even do if you wanted to. And I don't. For some reason, I'm just a good golfer slash athlete. I've won many club championships and it is always a great honor. He's a six three, two fifteen measured, and shot around a sixty seven. He's getting younger. He's getting younger. Like this is this is pretty unbelievable stuff. So you say Trump versus Kim Jong Un in golf. What about Trump versus Putin in ice hockey? Because we know how Vladimir tends to fill up nets. Oh, 10, 12 goals a game. Mm-hmm. You think any of those Secret Service guys would go? Actually, no, sir. That was a six, not a five. Yeah, you only you that was a that wasn't a lateral hazard. That's white. You got to go back to the T and hit another one. (laughs) (laughs) At Evan Dunphy, our race walker from Richmond, greatest day of athletics in Canadian history. Blake on Saturday in the course of one hour. Four Canadian medals at the World Athletics Championships in Budapest, Hungary. 
Canada goes 1-2 in the decathlon. Pierce LePage becomes the first Canadian to win gold in the decathlon at the Worlds. Of course, Damian Warner, a great athlete in the decathlon, we remember from Tokyo, joined him on the podium with silver. Sarah Mitten makes history for Canada. She's a silver medal in the women's shot put. She had a season-best throw of 20.08 meters in the final. And then Marco Arap wins the 800 meter world championship quote i'm just so proud of this team and what we've accomplished so far he tells andy petrillo and cbc olympics devin aru covering says this is the second greatest medal hall for canada in world athletics history six medals at these world including four gold and four gold is tied for second on the gold rush behind the u.s canadian athletes have made a memorable championship canada's best world medal total ever was eight in 2015. Things are looking really good for next year in the Paris Olympics, and congratulations to all these Canadian athletes. It was quite a performance. And this is a bit of a sprinting um, uh, blip for us. Like, we're not, we're not, like, we're not at our very best right now for sprinting. If if we had, like, some sprinting going on in the four-by and the 100-meter, like, we, we'd have more. I mean, it's, and, it's incredible. And, frankly, those medals are easy to see. Next year, yeah. if everyone keeps yes. on, uh, keeps on forming, you're quite right. And we had a bunch of qualifiers in the sprinting events, didn't wind up meddling. But I suspect, uh, I suspect you will see a medal or two in the sprint events next year as well. By the way, Pierce LePage is one of those RBC training ground graduates, and uh, that so has for, made such a difference. Uh, very for people well. that have seen those commercials, it's pretty remarkable. Kids in their teens sign up for these tryouts, and you go out. And you can never have played any of these Olympic sports in your life. They'll just look at you and go, "That you're really good at X. You're going to be a javelin guy going forward. You're, mm-hmm. you're really good at this. You're going to be a loser." Like it, it's it's pretty remarkable. And it was it was basically an inspiration of Australia is really good at a lot of things. Why can't we be? And so right. we're repurposing our athletes, and it's paying dividends. Absolutely, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, no, it's and in fact, as uh, RBC sits there and considers its ongoing sponsorship of the Canadian Open now that it's not an elevated event and back to having a crappy date on the PGA Tour schedule. Let's hope the RBC training ground program sticks around. And if they do decide to change their marketing strategy with sports and take money away from golf, let's hope the RBC training ground gets even more resources available to it because it's made a big, big difference in Canada's yeah. road to excellence and, of course, quote-unquote, owning the podium. It's just a really cool program, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Alex Ibiceta 23, he's a football soccer reporter in uh, Spain. L- newest news on Luis Rubiales. His mother has locked herself in a church and is on a hunger strike because of the, quote-unquote, hunt of her son. She's asking Jenny Hermoso to, quote-unquote, tell the truth. This is um, the mm. head of Spanish soccer who ran onto the pitch and kissed mm-hmm. Spanish champion Jenny Hermoso on the lips, mm-hmm. grabbing her face, um, to which she said that she didn't really like that at all. Um, and that has you know grown and grown into this furor over his behavior. Uh, there's, I think there might even be, a, I read there's a police investigation now ongoing there um, to look into it as well. So it's getting uh, uh, more and more dire here for Luis Rubiales and his mom is now stamping her feet and saying that 
Mm. for Hassan is being hunted. That's where we're at here on that front. Yeah, at Pro Football Talk, Christian Covington, Jermaine Effetti among the first Lions cuts. That's Detroit Lions because Christian Covington, Vancouver guy, at Farhan Lalji, fifth-round pick of the BC Lions in 2015, spent the past eight years in the NFL with six teams, Wonders if he considers the CFL. Wonder if he considers the CFL now. We had mentioned a couple of weeks back that the Lions have all these players whose rights they hold in NFL training camps and how most every one of them are either a pretty good bet to make the team or wouldn't suspect have any availability to the CFL this year. Chase Claypool, Nathan Rourke, John Mechie, a wide receiver just in the second year. Down in Houston, Alaric Jackson, an offensive lineman, actually started games for the Rams last year. Covington is the one exception. Now, Blake, you typically don't have guys who have made NFL money for eight years who want to come up to the CFL and play for what is a a relative pittance. But Christian just seems to love football so much. We know he loves his hometown so much. He's a big, gregarious personality. You do wonder, and the Lions certainly can use some interior defensive line help. What a story it would be if Christian comes home and we can put that together for the Lions for the second half of this year or even into next year. Yeah, I mean, the practice roster money is still pretty good in the NFL, but um, yeah, if he wants to I would to think play he's football. out of eligibility for practice roster. Yeah, really? Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, when you've played that many games in the NFL, I think you forfeit any practice roster eligibility. Uh, you know, this is a season-tenured vested NFL veteran. So um, it would be about how much he loves playing football and whether he wanted to continue his career in his hometown. Given uh, James Butler's uh, free reign uh, last game for the BC Lions. Yeah, um, not a bad option for the BC Lions if they can convince him to come up. At Walsh, A. Allen Walsh, NHL agent, the NHL is going into its third year of its seven-year media rights deal with ESPN. Since that time, ESPN subscriber base has fallen from 80 million to 45 million. Disney is now actively searching for a quote unquote strategic partner for the network. We talked a little bit about this last week, and you do wonder if there's an opening here for a streamer to say, you know what, we are jumping in both feet into the live sports game full time. Yeah. I mean, Amazon and Apple are, are in it somewhat, but is it time to go full time? Mm-hmm. into into sports and it was a matter of time i mean yeah it, it was just a matter of time and this could be fast track because of espn's uh flailing numbers here. yeah and as we talked about last week the streaming revolution is coming and it just makes infinite sense uh that yeah. it would be apple uh connecting with espn and taking advantage of how young people are now consuming their content which is less and less through the um, means that their parents did with cable boxes. And then lastly from me at Golf Digest, in honor of the PGA Tour season's final round, what was your favorite moment of the year? Monday Q Info, which is a great follow if you're not following it on golf. Two words, game over. It's a photo of Adam Hadwin being spear-tackled. The RBC Canadian Open with Taylor celebrating in the background. And Blake, go through the comments. Nick Taylor's performance in a home open, making the huge putt. And then, of course, the cherry on top, the over-anxious or overzealous security tackling Hadwin probably stands the most memorable moment from this PGA Tour year. We 
Talked about how it was a great year for Canada on course. Connors and Taylor weren't very good in the Tour Championship, but getting two to the Tour Championship, uh, getting four to the BMW Championship, all these Canadian victories on tour this year. And, of course, a moment that will live in infamy with Hadwin and the security guard. But here's the funny thing is that anywhere else in the world, people, I'm going to guess, are, are probably pretty aghast at what happened. I don't know. Our hockey mentality, like we think it's funny, but like we've just sort of we we also kind of right. just move on too. In, the, in, like the, it's sort of, in, in America, it would be a lawsuit against the security right. guard. Here, yeah. we just all had a laugh at it, including Adam. Uh, yes. And Jessica is misses if you follow her on Twitter. Boy, was she great that night. And that's hashtags for today. <laughs> Harrison Price from Wall Center and a presentation Applewood Auto Group. Get such a such selection in the Applewood Auto Group. Brands and vehicles. I've been raving about the hybrid fun that I've been having with the Mitsubishi Outlander. You want to go full EV, go to the fine folks at Applewood Kia, where you can get into the app the uh, Kia Nero EV for as low as forty four nine and only as high as fifty two nine, fully loaded in lo- the luxurious limited trim, and all this for six point four nine percent for up to eighty four months. So make sure you check it out at Applewood Kia. But our poll question today asking you which Canuck personality would you like to play around a round of golf with? JT Miller, Elias Patterson, Quinn Hughes, the coach. Talk, Rick. Talk and vote at Sikerson Price on Twitter. And, of course, if you want to play with somebody else, specify and reply. But on your source, free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. College football has started. Slate of games on Thursday. I'm taking Utah minus six and a half over Florida. Gators are hardly swamp kings these days, if you've seen the new Netflix docuseries on your Bodog line of the day. We're joined now by somebody who is no stranger to Vancouver Sports Talk. He is an assistant coach with the NBA Sacramento Kings, former head coach of the Canadian men's national team, and Blake, Canada's all-time leading scorer. And by nearly twice as many points as that Nash fellow, I'll have you know, <laughs> it's a pleasure to welcome Jay Triano back to Sakarison Price. Jay, how you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on. Uh, more than welcome, and uh, welcome back home to Vancouver. I understand you're in town. Yeah, it's nice to be back. Uh, get back to chance to visit my kids and uh, grandchildren and SFU alumni golf tournament, so it's, 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 it'll be a great week. We brought you on to talk about Canada at the FIBA World Cup, but first and foremost, before we talk about the results of the game tomorrow and the path forward here, what did you make, Jay, of the fact that finally we got this group of NBA players to come together, commit to the program, and play for the Maple Leaf. Well, and and still, there's some that have have declined. I mean, I think it speaks to the numbers that we have in our country right now. Uh, so many NBA players. I think there were 22 at last count. Uh, but you know, to get a commitment, I think it started with Nick Nurse and then Jordy taking over uh, when Nick couldn't fulfill the duties because of the job that he got in Philadelphia. It's um, it's great that these guys have all stepped up and wanted to play. And, you know, a lot of them have wanted to play for a long time. Uh, even back what, eight, nine years ago when I was the coach, you know, we had Dwight Powell and Kelly Olenek, and they were part of the program then. So it's nice that they've continued to play. And I, I think right now we're seeing 
that we're going to have some success, and we've already had some success early in the World Championships. I mean, it's hard to believe that it's happened in the span of your career, like you know that which you know I guess it ends up being a long career for all of us. We hope, but um, within that, you know, I guess half of a lifetime, um, all of a sudden we're we're a world power here for heaven's sakes. It was Steve Nash and Todd McCullough. It was what I remember in terms of the full-time NBA players. And now we've got two rosters full of them. Yeah, exactly. And and it's interesting because even then when we had those two, we didn't have two more in Jamal McGlure and Rick Fox who didn't play. There's always going to be a reason why some guys don't right. play in the, in, in the world championships. And, you know, this is their profession. You get a couple months off. Do you want to give it up to play for your country? Well, these kids now, they do. And, and you know, and that's great to see. And I think it, it's something that becomes very contagious. Uh, even with the United States, they didn't get their top players until all of a sudden Kobe and LeBron and those guys wanted to play. And then all of a sudden everybody wanted to play. And now they're kind of going through, are the world championships as important as the Olympics? We'll see who shows up for the Americans when it's time to play in the Olympics. It was a 30-point win over France, who has since been eliminated in the opener on Friday. And then a 55-point win over Lebanon yesterday. They're already through to the second round. Still another group game left. What have you made of the performance so far, Jay? Uh, it's been phenomenal. I think, uh, you know, I obviously know Jordy because he's an assistant coach uh, with, the, with the Sacramento Kings. So um, I, I think that, you know, when we talked earlier in the summer, it was all about the length that we have and the depth that we've already talked about. There's, there's a lot of players play at a high level, play, be intensive uh, with, the, with the defense. And they've been up there. They've been forcing teams to turn it over. France has never turned the ball over the way that they did in that game. And then all of a sudden that leads into early points going the other way. Confidence builds and you're able to just get out and run. But, you know, the one thing, you know, I've talked to Jordy pretty much every day um, from Jakarta. And you, you have to be very aware that these tournaments are long tournaments. And, and, and not to get too far ahead of yourself because there will be that one deciding game that's coming up. It'll decide whether you advance or whether decide whether you go to the Olympic Games. And those are, those are the ones that you gotta, we, we got to make sure that we are on, on target for. We chat about this all the time, and Al Chris Manson edifies us. You've edified us in the past about the difference between the international game and the NBA game. How, how up to speed was Jordy, or how recent was he in his mind about those nuances and how the game is played differently? Well, I mean, growing up in Spain, uh, obviously he grew up with the international game, and he was part of the an assistant coach with the Spanish national team. He and Mike Brown uh, were together before they went to Sacramento coaching the Nigerian national team. So he's got a lot of international experience, and uh, he understands the FIBA game extremely well. I'll go into his office at times in Sacramento, and he'll be he'll be watching FIBA games on, on um, via satellite from back home in Spain. Uh, so he's always up to date with uh, what's going on with the, with the international game. And, um, I think he's very, very good uh, NBA coach, too. He'll be a head coach in the NBA in the very near future. How tough is it to get the NBA players to play that internationally? Are you like, we have, I mean, we've seen some dominant performances, ones that we, I think, hoped that we would see. But as the going gets tougher here and we play some savvy uh, FIBA nations, uh, are we going to see SGA get challenged a little bit in, in terms of playing that kind of a game and, and the big guys, too? Oh, for sure. And I think the one biggest thing is that uh, with the – the game being different, so is the officiating. And uh, you get officials from all over the world. And some are going to call it tight. Some are going to let you play. And I don't think there's a real certain pattern like you get used to in the NBA. So there will be games, much like the game in 2000, where the French team just jumped on Steve Nash and fouled him every single play. 
uh, and they're not going to get called, Shea's got to be prepared for that. You need to have that secondary ball handler so that if they do that to him, that the FIBA game and the way it's officiated doesn't affect Canada. But again, I think our depth has been very, very good. And I think uh, Shea's a very heady player. Even in the France game, he got off to a real slow start. But then in the second half, he was outstanding. Final group match tomorrow against Latvia. It's for first place in the group. But as mentioned, they're already through to the next round. Jay, how would you approach this one? If you're coaching, what's at stake tomorrow? Well, the, the, your record, you know that Latvia is advancing and you know that you are advancing. So this is a big game. You've got to advance out of your pool, number one. Um, I think it looks like it's going to probably be Brazil and Spain advancing as well. So the game against Latvia actually counts for the second round, knowing that, you know, you know who they, you know that they're advancing. So a uh, big game. I mean, this will, this will help uh, immensely. Um, Latvia is a team that really shoots the ball. They want to take 25, 25 to 30, maybe even more threes in a game. So they'll drive and kick. So got to be close, uh, closing out on shooters. Got to be aggressive with the defense, turn them over. They don't have the athleticism and the speed that we have. So we got to make sure that they play our game. We don't play their game. Do you think we'll miss Jamal Murray at all? I mean, haven't yet, but do you think at some point there will come a game where you say, man, wish Jamal Murray was still here. I said that from day one, even when you're winning by 30. Anytime you have a guy that's been to the NBA Finals and uh, is one of the best players in your country, uh, not with you, uh, it, it, you know, you, you wish you had him. You wish you could see what he and Shea could do together. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think that with Corey Joseph leaving camp and, and, and Jamal Murray leaving camp, uh, Pango's not being able to play. We really kind of like went, wow, who's going to be the backup to Shea? Shea's going to have to play a lot of minutes. But uh, Bell Hines has been great coming in, and he's got a little knack for the international game as well. I thought he was good. But against some of the bigger teams, I just worry a little bit about the depth at that point guard spot. Yeah, against the better teams, I was uh, talking to your old friend Howard Kelsey about this. Uh, is it going to be they're going to force Lou Dort, R.J. Barrett to make outside shots? They're gonna, somebody's going to come along and say, SGA's not going to beat us. We'll make the other guys on the wings make shots and let that beat us if they can. Yeah, I, I, I think I think you're right. you're onto something there, Matt. Uh, I'll tell you the one thing though is that those two guys went one for seven each, so a combined two for fourteen in game one. In Canada, won by thirty. Yeah. So um, I, I think you know the way Jordy coaches as well. It's the same thing we do in Sacramento. A three point shot is a good shot regardless of who's taking it. Uh, so once we get into the paint and kick. We want to shoot that shot. Um, Dylan Brooks is kind of a streaky shooter. Lou can be a little bit of a streaky shooter. So I worry if we all go cold at the same time, it could be a rough night and they collapse the defense. But, uh, you know, I think the one thing about Jordy as a coach is he's always instilling confidence in those guys to continue to shoot. He's not going to say, oh, you're not as good a shooter. He's going to encourage them to shoot. And if they're not making it, he'll probably put a sub in rather than tell a guy not to shoot the basketball. What are you making of the uh, the big man, the size? How's that going to uh, to shape up both in this game and going forward? No Porzingis, but there's still some big guys there. Uh, you know, do we see? Is it Kelly and Zach? Or who's what? How are they going to utilize size here? I think they're going to just kind of roll with the experience right now. I think you know Dwight Powell and Kelly. Uh, I think the one thing that those two have to be a little bit aware of is not getting into too much foul trouble. Um, you know, Dwight can get a little aggressive at times. We used to call him Dwight Foul, not Dwight Powell. Um, you know, but if he gets in, in foul trouble, uh, and, and you know, that's going to be a, that, that could be a problem. Um, I don't know how deep we go with with the bigs. Uh, I think that you know the strength of this team is the quickness uh, and athleticism. So. 
I don't I don't know if we see a Zach Eady in a in a real tight close game, but uh, obviously Kelly knows how to play. Dwight's a, an excellent roller. Uh, I think we I think we stay small and maybe even play a little bit of Melvin Edgem at the four, uh, just to try to spread some teams out and create more space. Uh, for sure. That, that creates for sure. And just to explain that, Jay, because I think a lot of people will be turn, tuning into this tournament, see Zach Eady and go, wait a second, a seven foot four National Collegiate Player of the Year. How come he's not on the floor more often? You've got to play him in specific spots against specific opponents. Is that is that fair? That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, you know, the speed of the game and how fast we want to play, we want to turn teams over. Um, obviously, he's 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 very good at protecting at the rim and scoring down low. But uh, if he's down low, it means there's, it means there's another defender down low, and that kind of gets in the way for Shea to do what he does, which is attack. So, how he relocates in spaces when he's in the game is going to be the key. He's got to get underneath the play, look for offensive rebounds, and show up when his man steps up to help. A word or two from one Canada basketball legend about another. Cam Loops is Kelly Olynyk, who once again is there, Jay, and given his full effort for the Maple Leaf. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's, there's not a time during the NBA season this year or any year in the past that I haven't talked to him before or after a game where he hasn't talked about representing Canada. And uh, I just think that, you know, that guy, uh, he, he just wears it on his sleeve. He wants to represent his country at every opportunity. He's a he's a guy that uh, has been committed to the program for years. Uh, a kid that I knew growing up in Toronto when he was growing up in Toronto when Ken was coaching at U of T and his mother was the scorekeeper for the Toronto Raptors. So he's been around the game for a long time. Moved back to out to the Kamloops area. Uh, just bleeds Canada through and through. So it's, it's great to see him as captain of this team and leading the Chargers. What a career he's had, too. I mean, a long career. The body hasn't degraded on him terribly. I mean, he's forged quite a nice career here. Well, his basketball IQ is is really, really high. He's a seven-footer who can step out and shoot. So as the game has evolved, it's evolved right into his pattern and the way that he plays. He's an excellent pass, passer. Uh, teams now in the NBA, as we saw with Denver playing through Jokic, as we do through in Sacramento playing through Sabonis, you can play through Kelly because he's such a great passer and he's an unselfish player. So, uh, yeah, his game has evolved with the way the NBA game is, has evolved and, and it's made him uh, uh, be able to play for a long, long time. Yeah, not bad for a red shirt at Gonzaga once upon a yeah. time. Oh, it's a fantastic story. Uh, just lastly, Jay. You've poured your heart, soul, body, effort, energies, everything into this sport. And it looks like the breakthrough, the breakthrough is upon us here. What would it mean to you to see this team medal, see this team play in a gold medal game against the USA and bring all of that attention and goodwill towards the sport that, let's face it, we've been previewing and looking forward to here for, for quite a while? Yeah, well, you know, I always told that when I was coach of the national team, I said the best thing that could ever happen would be for you guys to be able to do what I did. And, I, you know, I had the opportunity to play in two Olympics and be on three Olympic teams when we boycotted in 1980. And in 2000, when I walked through uh, opening ceremonies with that team and Steve and, and Rowan Barrett and all those players, that, that was kind of fulfilled my thing as a coach. This is the generation that I want to see it happen to next. I want this, this group to be Olympians. Uh, we have such a great group in 2000. It's time for this new generation to experience that. And I wouldn't be ha- I couldn't be happier for this this group and wishing them all the best. Well, on your shoulders, sir. Uh, they have been building on your shoulders and on the shoulders of many that came before them. Jay, great hearing your voice. Great seeing your face again. Enjoy your time here in Vancouver. Thanks for this and best of luck with the Kings this season. We'll do. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. 
This is Garrison Price from Wall Center, presentation Applewood Auto Group. You can text us, 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. So more on the Whitecaps here, who get a terrific 3-2 victory over Portland at Providence Park in front of nearly 23,000 people, spoiling the debut of a new interim coach, Miles Joseph, for the Timbers. But also, given what else happened around MLS this weekend, um, three fantastic points and really making up for the home defeat against San Jose last week. Blake, just before we get into the game, let's do the ramifications. The three points moves Vancouver into seventh place in the MLS West. That's the final playoff spot where you don't have to play the, the wild card round. So that's helpful. But even better. Minnesota tie Seattle yesterday. So third place in the West, the Sounders at 37 points are within striking distance for, for Vancouver who are on 34 points. And they have two games in hand against Seattle. And they have a game in hand against Salt Lake, who's also on 37 points. And they have a game in hand against Houston and San Jose, who are directly above them, just one point ahead at 35 points. So a lot of things broke the Caps' way this week, Blake, and there is room for upward mobility. And as we talked about, there have been times this year where they've sagged down right around the playoff bar, but when you look at those games in hand that they still have to play, and granted, a lot of them on the road here, six more. (laughs) Six more on the road. I can't even believe I'm saying this ends before they come back to BC Place, including this Wednesday but there is a real opportunity that Vancouver could finish in the top half of the West and have a playoff game at BC Place. I mean, all I see is regret, <laughs> you know, which you shouldn't have in life. You should be looking forward. Like that San Jose game. Matt, if they win that San Jose game, that road game, oh. that home game um, last weekend, the weekend previous. You're third place in the West. You're third place in You're the West. third place in the West. San Jose's mm-hmm. down at 32 below the bar. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, honestly, can you imagine what this would look oh, like? The Whitecaps would be third in the West right now. Like, how long has it been since we've seen that at a meaningful point in the season? Um, so, Brian Gold splendid oh, on the weekend. So Two good. goals. Brian White added a, a goal. Uh, Sam Atacube. Helped create one of the goals, so, so instant dividends there from the Canadian International. Listen to this. Uh, Ryan Gall didn't get a goal contribution in MLS play until early May. I think it was May 6th. He's now in the top 10 in the league in goal contributions. That's goals and assists with 16. Now 9-7 and seven on the season. He's playing a different season than the rest of the MLS because it's basically like he didn't exist for the first few months. Now, that's not fair. His hustle, his distraction still helped the the Caps in the interim, but he didn't actually get on the stat sheet until early May, for heaven's sakes. Mm-hmm. If, if he could go back and redo the first two and a half months of the season, is he running away with the MVP trophy at this point? Wow. Uh, the keeper is fantastic here. Takaoka makes three saves, including a diving stop in the 87th minute that would have tied the score. So fantastic result for the Caps. They're on to Chicago Wednesday. That's a 5.30 start for us. Chicago's a mid-table team in the East, and obviously things are now getting tight as we're down into the final quarter of the MLS regular season. So here's the good news there. That'll be a tough one on short uh, on short rest. Chicago's won fi- Chicago's won 5 of 
13 home games this season. So, wow. you know, so not exactly a fortress there. They've only lost twice, the... but they give up points. So, I mean, mm-hmm. if you get a draw against Chicago on the road, not the end of the world, but there's cert- I think there's a win on the table there at the very least. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you better get wins somewhere, you know, yeah. early here yeah. because needless to say, the travel is going to get to you. I mean, you're, you're Chicago Wednesday, you're New York on, is that Saturday? Yeah. It's Saturday. They're not coming back, by the way. They're staying out. They're just going to Chicago and then flying right. to New York. Yeah. Uh, and then coming back and then going back out to Toronto. Yeah, coming I imagine, back and for then the going following to Saturday. Yeah. So, yeah. and then Toronto, then in Houston on the Wednesday, Salt Lake on the Saturday, and then Colorado on the next Wednesday. So, the schedule is asking a lot yes. of the stamina and endurance of these Whitecaps players. So this was an important one on Saturday. Errors and omissions from Friday's program. And unless you or Trevor has something, we'll move merrily along to the Bodog line of the day. Anything to flag, gentlemen? Mm, probably. Probably. Well, I was producing, so it was a perfect show. Perfect show. Yeah. The 13-time producer of the year Let's back at not get out of the hand. It was nine times. It was only nine yeah. times. Oh, okay. Trevor Martins. Let's get to Blake's Bodog line of the day. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. So you like what you well, got. Given what we just outlined, you're probably curious. Well, what, what is, what's the line on the Whitecaps then in Chicago? Well, it's plus 215 for a victory. Given all those draws that Chicago gives up at home, if you're more tantalized by that, plus 270 on the draw between the fire and the white gaps on your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening. Everybody, a reminder to subscribe to us and rank wide, wherever you get your podcast, please follow us on social. That's Insta, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. And of course, support the community sponsor. Jeter us talking about keep it local.